0: What's going on, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. Not much new happening out here on the Outer Rim. Okay, I guess I got a few things that we could cover. And since this show is based on the writings of Star Wars, I think we should start there. Because Star Wars The High Republic is about to launch Phase 2 of its line. And we will be getting to meet some new characters. Star Wars has shown some of these new characters on their latest updates on the Star Wars website. In addition to these new characters, they have released the opening crawl to the High Republic Phase 2, and the first chapter of the new book, Quest of a Jedi. Let me quick recap of the High Republic Phase 1. It starts with the Jedi Order and the Republic launching Starlight Beacon, the first extension into the vast unknown regions of the Outer Rim territories. But the celebration didn't last long. Starlight's opening provoked a pirate group called the Nihil to attack the Republic. At the same time, the Nihil were trying to destabilize society with the Great Hyperspace Disaster and Republic Fair Massacre, the dark side was coming to life. Plant monsters called the Dingrir were awakened and had started spreading across the galaxy like a plague. They were a giant problem because the Force didn't work on them. Meanwhile, the Nihil leader Marchand Roe unleashed some Force eating monsters that are killing Jedi. Martian's plans peaked when the Nihil sabotaged and destroyed Starlight Beacon, which resulted in the death of many Jedi. This included Starlight's Marshal and Jedi icon Stella and Geos. Now the Nihil are still at large and are at war with the Huck Clan. The Jedi Order is reeling as the darkness looms and the Republic is living in fear now phase two of the high republic will open with some prequel stories it is said 150 years before phase one or 350 years before the skywalker saga begins which i think is completely stupid in my opinion and i know they are trying to do what george did start in the middle then go back to the beginning but they are leaving us wondering what is happening with phase one something that they have no reason to do just keep the story going but that's just my opinion now, StarWars.com has revealed the full character design for Axel Greylark, the Chancellor's son who appears in the upcoming Phase 2 novel, Convergence. Convergence will look at the conflict between two planets. Two planets that the history of war was stopped by the Jedi. star beacon was actually launched as a sign of peace between these two planets, but over a century before that period of peace, it was a time of war. Now, this is from the opening of Convergence. On the close-orbiting planets of Eram and Iram. A growing pain of a galaxy with limited resources but unlimited ambition are felt keenly. Their hatred of each other has fueled half a decade of escalating conflict and now threatens to consume surrounding systems. The last hope for peace emerges when hears from the two planets royal families plan to marry. But before last and peace can be established, an assassination attempt targets the couple and tilts the two planets back into an all-out war. To save both worlds, Jedi Knight Gala Natty volunteers to uncover the culprit, while Chancellor Khan appoints her son Axel Greylock to represent the Republic's interest in the investigation. But Axel's deep distrust of the Jedi sparks against Gala's faith in the Force. She never met such a puffed-up, privileged party boy, and he had never met a more self-serious, relentless do-gooder. The more they work to untangle the shadowy web of investigation, the more complicated the conspiracy appears to be. With accusations flying and potential enemies in every shadow, the pair will have to work together if they have any hope of bringing the truth to the light, and saving both worlds. Hey, that was a really good way to start a book. Phase 2 also reveals a new Jedi Master, Solyndra Sho, who will appear in the High Republic's quest for a hidden city. Solyndra comes with a notable distinction, she prefers a shield weapon to a lightsaber, Sylendra views herself as a shield against evil in the galaxy. The new character art can be found over at StarWars.com, and you will also find the new covers for Marvel Star Wars: The High Republic Phase Two comic series. More on that series will be launched in November. It will also be centered around Jedi, a planet rich in the connection to the Force and the focus of every major faith in the galaxy. The new flagship High Republic comic series will introduce Jedi Vildar Mac. I'm not super into comics, but Jedi has always been something that I wanted to learn more about. Now let's move on to the next piece of news, and this piece of news had me kind of upset, because it might have been Disney just being lazy, but it caused the fans to go all political. Star Wars fans are criticizing Disney after they spotted the AK-47 in the Andor trailer, and yes it does look like an AK-47. The full length trailer dropped on Monday August 1st, and the fans went crazy on social media. They were quick to point out that one of the characters seemed to be holding a familiar looking assault rifle. This is at a moment of rising gun violence in the United States. But was that an AK-47 in the first 10 seconds? Asked one Twitter user. A second wrote five seconds into the trailer and you've already made me mad. This guy has an AK-47 in a Star Wars show. You are so lazy. At AK-47, you couldn't even bother to design a space gun. I'm so tired, so very tired another fan tweeted hashtag andor is this dude carrying an ak-47 come on props man you aren't even trying rest of the trailer looks promising skarsgard is a freaking master there may be hope a screenshot from the trailer also prompted a discussion on Reddit's star wars forum it makes no sense to be here it's in star wars wrote one fan totally looks out of place commented another one redditor disagreed pointing out that the franchise creator george lucas had been inspired by real war he also said while to me it does look out of place in the real world the ak is one of the weapons associated with militia and rebel groups George Lucas said that the Rebels were always based on groups like the Viet Cong, so maybe it's just a nod to that. According to military news website Task and Purpose, Lucas drew on the Vietnam War for inspiration. People need to remember that Star Wars was created in the 70s. The Viet Cong guerrillas often used AK-47s, but the trailer was released after a wave of mass shootings in the United States. None of these shootings were carried out by AK-47s. But it and other rifles have become symbols of the debate over gun control. On Friday, July 29th, the House of Representatives passed legislation that would ban assault weapons but the measure is not expected to pass the Senate. However, was this just laziness on Disney's part or is it some conspiracy to help gun lobbies? And as fans, we need to remember that Han Solo's Blastek DL-44 was based on the German Master C96 and looks a great deal like the German-made weapon. A lot of Star Wars weapons were based on weapons of this world. Chewie has a bow rifle, basically a crossbow that shoots lasers. A lightsaber is based on a sword and all of those have been used for bad things. But my personal opinion stands, I think that the Rebels are broke, and they are buying anything that they can, or Disney is just being lazy on the props design. I really don't think that it has something to do with a gun conspiracy, but that's just me. Moving on to some more news, and I just thought this was funny, so I wanted to tell you guys about it. Have you ever thought about what would happen if Star Wars and the Predator franchise did a movie? The newly released movie Prey represents the long-running Predator franchise in this new twist of a classic formula. A Predator comes to Earth in pre-colonial America. There he encounters both indigenous warriors and European invaders, and I personally thought it was very good. But we have encountered the Predators themselves fighting against other aliens, of course the two Aliens vs Predator movies. They were good in their own rights, but didn't really do that great in the box office. Perhaps filmmakers could do a mashup Predator with another movie series, namely Star Wars. Indeed that has just happened in a new fan edit posted by Matthew Hyten, in which a Predator hunts down the infamous Ewoks of Return of the Jedi. It turns out it is quite natural to mash up footage from the original Predator and the footage from the Return of the Jedi. Both of these movies are set in the forest, after all, and both have the use of primitive traps to attack more advanced enemies, allowing for relatively seamless splicing of scenes. Of course, the Ewoks remain a very decisive element of Star Wars lore, and are in fact hated in some circles and loved by others. But it seems, of course, that a heavily armed and highly skilled predator would have no trouble taking out all of the Ewoks. But of course, the Ewoks did prove their own skills in battle in Return of the Jedi. They did help take on the Empire using the most primitive of weapons. The mashup ultimately is pure fantasy and the worlds would never intersect, but it is a really fun fantasy and one that carries extra charge for those who happen to despise the Ewoks. I will put a link to the actual video in the show notes so you can go check it out yourself. I thought it was funny. Not very long, it's like a minute. I thought it was pretty good though. Now moving on to some Star Wars fun facts. And I have to be honest, this is becoming one of my favorite parts of the show. I love learning new stuff about Star Wars. So here we go. The late great Peter Mayhew, the actor who played Chewbacca, once said in an interview that during the filming of the indoor scene in Return of the Jedi, he wasn't allowed to walk around the forest in costume. He had to wear one of those orange hunting vests over the costume and had to have people with him at all times. This was because the crew was concerned that he might get shot by hunters. They might have mistaken him for a Bigfoot. Ironically, in a very questionable expanded universe comic called Into the Great Unknown, Chewbacca and Han Solo crash into the forest on Earth. While Solo is ultimately killed by the natives, Chewbacca survives and spends 126 years roaming the forest, and multiple times is mistaken for Bigfoot. That is so crazy to think about. What if Bigfoot was actually a Wookiee, and the reason that we couldn't find him, because Wookiees are smart. If Chewie could fix a starship, I'm pretty sure he is smart enough to keep from getting caught. I'm just saying. Okay, now I think it's that time. Time that we get back to Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, we had just been introduced to Mill, a Padawan learner that had a problem with conflict. And when I am saying she had a problem, I mean that the thought of conflict would make her sick, cause her to lose her lunch kind of sick. So let's see what's going to happen in this next part. But first, we got to drop the Intro What like well in your now
1: in, you have? You're not to new hard to sway, so just sit back and read a claim. Let me take your thoughts far far away. Now let's hear what God Meta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Obi-Wan kenobi There you are, Obi-Wan called out. Right before he spoke, he'd spotted Anakin by himself but stayed quiet. The Jedi refectory was nearly empty, so much so that Anakin must have figured no one would notice if he changed the configuration of the holo displays from a rolling list of schedules and menus to a pod race from some remote world. He waited until Anakin finished and settled into his seat, a simple vegetable soup on the tray in front of him, and gave his former apprentice several seconds to enjoy his setup before barging in. In return, Obi-Wan used the time to consider the scene in front of him. Anakin, trying to bend rules to serve his personal desires. Here, it was minor. Not that long ago, it was far more drastic, and a single memory flashed, summing up Obi-Wan's worries in a few words. You will be expelled from the Jedi Order! He'd screamed it at Anakin as wind whipped into their eyes, their gunships soaring over Geonosis. In return, Anakin screamed right back, I don't care! But that was the problem. Anakin did care. He cared about so many things, including pod racing, that Obi-Wan felt like he was often the safety lock on Anakin's throttle, making sure Anakin kept from going so fast that he'd spiral out of control. Yet now they were peers. Rather than Master and Apprentice, a war severing that protective tether and letting Anakin drift free among his instincts and his passion. Master, Anakin said, standing up so fast that his knees banged the table, the soup and his bowl sloshing in reaction. Obi-Wan noticed the subtle gesture Anakin made behind his back, cutting power to the hollow display with a flip of the finger. I was catching up on the Keirone Moria news and... It's all right. Obi-Wan said, waving his hand as if he was doing a mind trick. Though in this case, it simply calmed the soup from spilling farther out. Perhaps peace could be negotiated, if we all watched sports and drank ale together. Actually, I've come to talk with you about your next assignment tomorrow. Anakin looked at Obi-Wan. The smallest twist forming on his mouth before it reset to neutral. Tomorrow, I thought I was shipping out in two days to oversee a delivery to Langston. There it was again. Obi-Wan would have detected it even from across the room, but sitting right next to Anakin, it was unmistakable. The exact same ripple that he'd sensed earlier when Anakin came across Padme at the Jedi Temple. The cocktail of emotions had a different formula but came wrapped in the same skin. She was nowhere to be found. So why did he feel this way? A very strategic response formulated in Obi-Wan's mind. Oh, you still are. Tomorrow is his local. His head tilted ever so slightly, measuring Anakin's response. Shouldn't interfere with anything you have planned. Ah, I mean... Anakin started, before looking over at where the refectory's holographic projection had been. We're meeting with the Chancellor tomorrow. The newest Jedi Knights, that is. I didn't want to miss it. Anakin, you can catch a feed of pod-race tournaments
0: on any shuttle or transport, if you know how to do it. Okay, it seems like Anakin hasn't changed that much by becoming a knight. Pod-racing and thrills of speed still excite him. But this was what worried obi-wan and it should because we have seen how reckless anakin can be in the clone wars animated series always quick to jump into the fight before evaluating the situation but this really wasn't what was bothering obi-wan at the moment the ripple of emotion that poured off of anakin the same emotion that he felt when anakin was around padme this was causing Obi-Wan to be concerned. He was worried that Anakin would allow his emotions to cloud his judgment, like he did back on Geonosis, when he said that he would quit the Jedi Order to save Padme. Back then Obi-Wan was a voice of reason to his Padawan. Now they are equals, so who is going to be there for Anakin now? He didn't think Anakin would go too far, because he cared so much about everything. That didn't mean as his former master that he wasn't concerned about his former apprentice so he was prodding a little bit to get more information. This was the only time he had to try to help before they both went off on their different missions, because once they go on their separate ways, Anakin would be on his own, with no one to guide him. Obi-Wan was acting like a parent at this point. I felt the same way when my kids moved out. I was worried about them, and at the same time, I was worried about everyone else. Shoot, I know my kids, and what they were capable of doing. I think this is the way that Kenobi is feeling right now. Yoda tells Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, To learn to let go of all that you fear to lose but it seems to me that all jedi masters fear losing their padawans which is kind of ironic if you think about it now let's see what else is going to happen in this part
1: obi-wan spoke with specific precision something equally designed to disarm while also dig a little deeper he paused letting anakin take a sip of soup before moving on to a new topic something just as tactical Oh, did I tell you I ran into Senator Amidala at the temple yesterday? It sounds like she and a few other senators agree with the Jedi using the opportunity to speak to Cato Namoidia. I haven't seen her since Geonosis, but she looks no worse than wear. Anakin stood up again, a careful move that avoided any table collisions this time. Then he knelt back to the access panel of the projector, his face completely hidden. If you run into her again, tell her I say hello. One second, he said, tinkering with the configuration. Can't let anyone know I was watching Pod Racing. Now Obi-Wan sat and waited, giving Anakin the space to restore the hollow projector settings, but also himself the space to process what he'd witnessed. Not visibly, but through the force. Because that same surge came at the mention of Padme like a button being pressed. Even without her physical presence, she occupied his thoughts. And the fact that Anakin didn't even try to shield it created a monumental problem, a vulnerability that endangered both Anakin and the Republic. Almost got it, he called out. On the one hand, Obi-Wan felt the pull to confront Anakin now, about dedication and responsibility and all the other things Mace Windu had just lectured the group on. Especially in this moment, when the balance of power across the galaxy was at stake. Infatuation and other trivial matters could wait. And as someone who currently sat on the Jedi Council, even on a temporary rotation, did he not carry the responsibility to ensure that commitment was pure and resolute among the Jedi Knights? But then a flush came to his cheeks, something that made him thankful that Anakin still tinkered with the projector. Because Dex knew how to see right through his old friend, highlighting Obi-Wan's own hypocrisy in the matter. And besides, right now, Kato Namorio was his priority, and his personal feelings about Anakin could not interfere with that. There we go, Anakin said, popping back up. The Refectory's usual mix of information returned to the display. And as if the process reset Anakin himself, Obi-Wan detected no further changes in Anakin through the Force. No one is the wiser. So I hear you're off to Katernay Modia tomorrow? Word travel fast. You know I should be there with you. Obi-Wan had heard variations on that statement before. And in some cases, it came with the intimation that Anakin considered himself more powerful, more capable, the obvious solution. In this case, though, his voice, his posture, the concern on his face, all came across as authentic. An unexpected maturity. What an interesting change in attitude. I would much rather have that. But we must abide by Count Duco's caveats he has smartly backed the Jedi into a corner. It must be me alone. Anakin's discomfort at the idea painted his entire expression a stony silence, as if the young man tried to wheel his way into the situation. Even though I'm sure the Trade Federation would love to hear your take on the galaxy's best pod races, perhaps you could even inform them of your favorite underdogs. He said, allowing a smirk to come through. Anakin returned the smile, building a bridge between the two. Perhaps even a silent acknowledgement of their equal status. At the very least, it cracked the tension. I wish. He
0: started before his voice trailed off. Another surge of emotion came,
1: like a wave, but rather than a complex mix of feelings, Obi-Wan sensed, was that regret? I wish Master Qui-Gon could see us now. Anakin often left Obi-Wan flustered, sometimes with his bravado, sometimes with his stubbornness, sometimes with the way that bravado and stubbornness always pulled off the impossible. But this came from sheer surprise. Anakin barely mentioned Qui-Gon to Obi-Wan. How much did the slain Jedi Master occupy his thoughts? I'm sorry, Master, I shouldn't have. He would be proud of you, Obi-Wan said, a pure sincerity in his voice. Qui-Gon, with such a belief that Anakin was the Chosen One, whether or not that was true, it was hard to argue with Anakin's accomplishments. His faith would be rewarded. They sat in silence for several seconds. The only sound that of cantlery and plates from far across the dining hall. Both of them now silent. Finally, Anakin pushed things forward. As he always did. I really should fly out to Cato Nemoidia. As backup. I don't trust Dooku. Or the Trade Federation, or Nemoidians in general, for that matter. That's not within the parameters of the mission, unfortunately. Anakin gave a quiet laugh, then shook his head. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that Jedi Knights really do still follow all the rules? We thought that was something you told the Padawans to keep us in line. Indeed. In fact, I think you'll find that life as a Jedi Knight is much easier when you stick to the rules. Improvising tends to only invite trouble. Speaking of which, Obi-Wan brightened and suddenly he found himself trying to contain the urge to chuckle. You should have a plan for tomorrow. What is this mystery assignment? It is something far more challenging Far more emotionally taxing than a simple negotiation. But it is a rite of passage. Something notched on the belt of every Jedi. Anakin's face crinkled in curiosity. And Obi-Wan knew he had his young companion exactly where he wanted him. You must meet with the younglings and pass on your wisdom. Anakin's laugh echoed through the nearly empty hall. Enough that it caught the attention of the group of Padawans in the far corner. Okay. Seriously, what's the assignment? Anakin, Obi-Wan said, placing a hand on his shoulder. I am being completely serious with you. Anakin's eyes grew wide and he began to slowly shake his head. No, you can't be. I'm afraid I am. And this can't just be about lightsaber techniques or physical manipulation of the Force. You must teach them the wisdom you've gathered on your journey from Tatooine to the Trials. And... Obi-Wan bit his lip to
0: hold in his laughter. You must answer their questions. All of them. Okay, so Obi-Wan is really becoming concerned at this point. Every time he says Padme's name, a surge of emotion flows from Anakin. So he starts testing this theory. He wants to say something about it, but there's more pressing issues. So he moves on to what is about to happen. He tells Anakin about having to pass down his experiences to the Padawans and he will have to answer their questions. Anakin almost loses his stuff and tries to laugh it off. This is when he notices that his former master is being serious and that's all this part really had to offer. I can see why Anakin turned to the dark side when he says all Jedi follow all the rules like this was a surprise to him. He had already broken one of the biggest rules and he just kept breaking them. It's not too hard to see it coming. Okay, let's get to the quote of this week and it comes to us from thomas edison he said opportunities are missed by most people because it is dressed up in a uniform and looks like work when i first read this quote it had me stumped because i was like how does working a job help you with success or how does someone else working a job help you to achieve your goals so i sat back and i pondered this quote for a while and then it popped in my head he was talking about someone just like me even though i had some very good things come in my life I always worked a job. That was that guaranteed money that you will need in between gigs and different ideas. The bills still have to be paid plus the connections I made from people that I met while I was at work, helped me a great deal. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that's not all that he's talking about. He was talking about staying in motion, not becoming complacent or being lazy. As long as you are moving forward towards a goal, then things will start to happen. You will meet people that can help you on your journey. They might not know what you need to do or be able to give you advice on how to do it, but they know somebody that might be able to help. They link you with that person, and from that person you meet another person, so on and so forth until you meet the person that knows exactly what you need to do i would have never got this gig if it wasn't for a friend introducing me to someone else this happened over 25 years ago and it led me to where i am today this all happened because i never stopped moving forward and i refused to quit remember there is only one way you will ever fail that is when you stop striving to better yourself okay i'm done that's all for this episode join us next week for part 10 of this amazing story we hope to see you there Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.